When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, the reigning, defending, 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 undisputed, universal, heavyweight champion, Wildcat Radio 2.0, bear down, you beautiful people. What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry, and we have a big show. There's a lot of good news with the basketball recruiting, especially. Arizona men's basketball has picked up some talent, and we're going to talk about that without like pronouncing the player's name correctly because that's just not fair. Um, we're also going to talk some softball. Less good news. We're going to have P.J. Brown on a little bit later to go over what happened there, and even some women's basketball news, too. They got some recruiting stuff going on. So, Brett... And, of course, I guess we remiss Arizona officially won the Territorial Cup Series third time in four years, so never a bad thing either. But, Brett, Arizona men's basketball. Actually, it, you know, Pella Larson came back too, so a lot of, lot of news there. But let's start with the, the biggest news. Um, Arizona picked up a Lithuanian big man, Mo Krivas. We're just going to call him Mo. Let's call him Big Bo because it is big news because he's a big man, seven two, two hundred fifty six pounds. Adam, yeah, that's that's a I'm, large man. I, you know, I'm I'm starting to think, uh, you know, maybe the notion that uh, Tommy Lloyd couldn't recruit to Arizona that was prevalent among the fan base a few weeks ago has was 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 maybe uh, not fully thought out or not patient enough. Well, I, the one thing I would say here is I would say like this guy, I. Watch some of the highlight videos. He looks like a big guy, really good touch around the basket. He's a been a good looks like a good shot blocker. We've got a seven foot five wingspan, so he's going to be a presence for Arizona. But if there is one one question, obviously, what is he going to do as a freshman, as a sophomore, playing college basketball, American college basketball? Because we saw like Henry Vasar last year came over and wasn't particularly useful, right? Like there's not a guarantee. Umar Balo needed it wasn't until his sophomore year we even was a surprisingly pretty good player. And then last year, his junior year, he was very good. So in like the big, you don't know the instant impact. Now, is that the case for, that's not just for international players. That could be for every player. But that's where a lot of the question is like, oh yeah, well, we know Tommy Lee can recruit international guys. Are they any good? This guy, at least from the size, like he's big. He looks skilled. He seems to have all the tools that you need to be good. So maybe it's not going to be great as a freshman, but he's going to be useful and it may be better as a sophomore. Like I like the pickup. That's what I'm getting at. Like I'm not saying that I don't like it at all. I think this guy has loads of potential, loads of talent, and I see why Arizona wanted him and excited that Arizona got him. But if there's any questions, I don't think the questions are so much, can he recruit international players? It's can he recruit good players? Can he build a roster? This looks like a step in that direction, but that question still remains. Yeah, and I, you know, if, if the rumors are to be believed, uh, Big Mo won't be the last one, but I, you know, I, you mentioned Henry Basar. I feel like he's like a more physically developed version of Henry Basar, at least from like the highlight video. Like he's 
he's, he looks like he's got 30 or 40 pounds on what Faisar has on him right now, right? Or during the, his freshman season. And that's it's not the end-all, be-all, but it matters. So he's got like 40 just... pounds on me, and that's a sad thing for me because he's like a foot taller. So, but look at look at you trying to like make people do math and backwards flex into your your trim <laughs> physique as a as a new dad, Adam. Right. <laughs> <laughs> look at me, I'm Adam. I weigh less than 230 pounds now. <laughs> no, but um, I always weigh less you know, than 230 pounds. Well, okay, fair. I I don't, but I'm taller than you. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's seven two, and he's got 40 pounds on me. <laughs> anyway, get back to Big Mo. No, like you know, it's highlight videos are highlight videos, right? So it's like they're, they're inherently they're inherent inherently biased, and you don't want to base everything off of that. Otherwise, you know, was it Omar Tillman says hello from his you know four star rating with my big air quotes that our, our listeners can't see, but you can as we're recording. Uh, you know, if nothing else, it looks like a guy who has a pretty high floor and potentially really high upside. Like I think Henry Vasar on the roster is previously constructed without Big Mo and anybody else that may join may have had the highest upside. I'm not sure he still does anymore. Cause I think Big Mo, so, you know, at least from the videos, looks like a guy that might even be a little bit more right. And, well, you know, and his stats to... too. He was in the second yeah. tier Lithuanian league and he's 18 years old, right? He was averaging nearly 14 points, 10 rebounds, a block and a half and an assist and a half in 26 minutes per game. So he was putting up numbers that, were good, right? For an 18-year-old kid in this type of situation, like he was good. He played well, so he has had success in a good league. I think it's the same league that Azulis Tabellas played in before he came over to Arizona. So we know how Tabellas was as a freshman. Now, he's not Azulis Tabellas. They're different players, and just because they came from the same team doesn't mean they're going to have the same trajectory. But, you know, Tommy Loy in a statement did say that, you know, Compliment has a player and a person, says he can play well on the basket, has a good court vision, and can help the team defensively. Sure, if he's a shot blocker, and that's the one thing. I mean, with the seven foot five wingspan at seven two, like that's a presence down low. If he can just play 10, 15 minutes a game as a freshman and be a defensive presence and be that shot blocker that Arizona didn't have last season, we talked about it before with Kylan Boswell and Jaden Bradley as the assumed starting backcourt. Right, Pell Larson came back. We'll talk about that too. Those are three pretty good perimeter defenders. Then you have bigs down low who can clean up after them. It changes the defensive dynamic and what you can do. You know, you can press guys more. You can have your guards try to get in the passing lanes because, hey, they get a blow-by. Well, now Big Mo's there to try to clean that up, kind of like how Coloco was for Arizona. So, like you said, Brad, the floor seems very high because, you know, from the videos, he doesn't look like he's a slow big guy, right? There's not, like, a stiffness to him. He seems like he moves pretty well, times his block shots pretty well, and is active on the defensive end. So if he brings that to Arizona just as a freshman and has those skills, that's a benefit for the Wildcats. That's something they did not have last season and will make them that much better when he's a freshman. Now, as he develops, you know, if that offensive game that's there gets a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit quicker too with the strength and conditioning program. So like, it's a lot, like you said, a high floor here, but it looks like he has the potential of a really high ceiling too. Yeah, and, you know, your your defensive point is well taken and, you know, who needs wing defenders when you can just start three seven-foot guys to just clean up all the block shots in your, in your starting lineup? <laughs> they have lineup. so many big guys. It's kind of funny because, you know, like a lot of people don't think big guys are the way it's basketball, right? The way the game is played now. And you think, oh, the European style, just the free-flowing, everybody, you know, can play all the positions, whatever. And here's Tommy Lloyd recruiting bigs. Like, it wasn't like he, he inherited two belts. He inherited Coloco. He brought in Balo, and he keeps bringing in more. Dylan Anderson, Henry Vasar, now Big Mo. Like, he wants 
big players. And I mean, that's to say like we're going to make big guys relevant in the NCAA tournament again because obviously like they can be good. Good bigs are still very helpful. Like I forget the mm-hmm. guy on UConn, their center, who was just an active big, was very good for them. But it is interesting how Arizona's roster looks right now, just the sheer size up front. And not to say, I mean, Omar Ball is the only one who's like proven. But this, these are some very big players. Just let's run a, a creative triangle and two defense, Adam. The three, the three seven footers and the two point guards on the perimeter, just starting the three point line. Try to score on that. <laughs> like, do, no, do, but, do you like what's? I mean, it's the, the roster's slowly coming together, right? There's still plenty of scholarships available. There's still things that need to be filled out, but you know, it's this is a piece, and yeah. you know how much of a role he'll play. Big Mo will play as a freshman. We'll see how right he is. Because yeah, some guys it, come in. Larry Markkinen was able to play right away as an international prospect, right? You know, Coloco needed a couple of years. Umar Balo needed a couple of years. Jesus Tabellus ended up starting as a freshman and was pretty dang good. So, like, there's no – it has to be this way. This guy may come in and play 20 minutes a game next season. We don't know. But it looks like he's the type of guy who should have a role. Yeah, and it's – you know, it kind of – not to get ahead of ourselves, but it makes you wonder, like – you know, it tells you a couple things. It tells me Umar Balo is – this is planning to be his last year – come one way or an NBA I would or think international. So, yeah. I would think so. Right. Um, you know, it, it, it makes you raise an eyebrow, at least when it comes to Henry Basar and, and, or Dylan Anderson, right? Like Dylan Anderson looked like a guy that, you know, maybe isn't going to be an NBA type player, but he's, he seems like somebody that could develop into some serious value. Plus there's talk of, you know, the, the San Diego state transfer, Arthur Kaluma, and also maybe another uh, mystery Euro that would be a power forward and, and, or maybe, two of those three guys and then you're you know you're loaded even up uh loaded up even more in the post uh you know there's still more pieces to come together uh you know i i I think everybody's looking at that 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 wing position and being like uh can we fill that out or you know a combo guard and and an athletic wing but he's you know they're not going to get out rebounded i'll put it that way well that and that's (laughs) that's important right like these are all things like now you mentioned the wings pella larson has withdrawn from the NBA draft and has announced officially that he's going to come back to Arizona with a very to-the-point Instagram post um, that I'm not going to repeat because it's a family-friendly podcast some of the time. But that was expected that he would come back. Now, what kind of role he'll have next season probably depends on, like, is he expected to start for them because that was the plan last season and it, he was better off the bench? I don't know. But Arizona's a better team with Pell Larson on it. And probably, like, I don't know if he's going to be, take the leap that we all thought he was capable of. Maybe... This is the year it finally happens. Or maybe he just is who he is. But either way, he's a smart player. He's a good defender. And he's experienced. You know, and that's something that Arizona, like their backcourt, with Colin Boswell and Jaden Bradley, not super experienced. Pell Larson can bring kind of like that veteran presence to this team, especially with what Arizona's losing. So not a bad thing getting him back. And it also shows a little bit more of how the roster is. And again, no one expected him to stay in the draft. And I don't think he expected to stay in the draft when he declared. But Arizona's roster with Pell Larson looks better, I think. I agree. And, uh, you know, for our, our listeners that haven't seen the post, I'm not sure if the hashtag works if you put a contraction with an apostrophe in there, Adam. Is that <laughs> is that is that something that works or not? Or is it just hashtag I <laughs> and everything else is just I, super It's hashtag. definitely just hashtag I. Yeah. So, you know, I... He, he got his point across, though. Uh, <laughs> yes, I appreciate how he, <laughs> he like used the right form of your, you know, like the grammar was great. Like, I appreciate that. <laughs> yep. Um, and, and, you know, we also do have 
KJ Lewis still coming in as as an athletic wing for this roster, along with Pella Larson coming back. You know whether he starts or clearly he's been better coming off the off the bench as a six man. But you know maybe he start the plan is to start him this year. Maybe not. We'll see how how it plays out. But you know the again the the panic from a month ago is 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 maybe looking a little stupid today, <laughs> and it'll probably look dumber in a couple of weeks as as some of these other uh, scholarship spots get filled out. You know, fun thing mentioned like his Instagram post. You know, Jaden Bradley commented on it. Let's work, KJ Lewis. It's up. Azulas Tubelis just with two fire emojis, flame emojis. I wonder what that means. Let's all read into that. Um, Kirk Risa commented on it. Just see you on the other side. <laughs> does, does that mean when that does that mean in he- basketball heaven? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but uh, either way, like Arizona again. Pelo Larson coming back. Got commitment from a. Lithuanian big, like really big Lithuanian, if you will. Uh, Mo Krivos. I think it's Krivos. I got that right. But I, I saw, think that is correct. I saw a pronunciation guide, and I don't understand pronunciation guides. I'm like, there's just letters with like dashes. Some are capitalized. Some are like, I just like phonetically just write it out how it should sound with the wrong letters. I don't care. But at least then I can understand it. But either way, Arizona's roster is coming together for men's basketball. And yeah, there's still more work to be done. Yeah. Yeah, Arizona Media Guide needs to have words spelled out phonetically for Adam. <laughs> I would appreciate that, yes. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'll put it that way. So, Brett, let, let's take a break and we come back. Arizona softball had the postseason streak come to an end. And to help us figure out why, we're going to talk to P.J. Brown from the Arizona Daily Star. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. It's Wildcat Radio 2.0. We are joined by PJ Brown of the Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster app. You can read all her content. She covers so many things for the paper, for the website. And we're here to talk to her. We have her here to talk a lot of softball. We'll talk some women's basketball, too. And even golf is happening because, again, she covers all the things. But PJ, always glad to have you. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, so obviously we're hoping that the softball start there with kind of the bad news. We were hoping the softball run would continue. There were, there were doubts that the postseason streak would continue. We knew that going into the Pac-12 tournament, they acquitted themselves fairly well. Obviously beating ASU is never a bad thing, but the softball run 35 straight seasons comes to an end. Is there any one reason for why? You know, it's kind of a weird thing. Now I, um, I know they were on the fence to make it, I actually thought that they would. I was one of those probably few that thought that. I thought that their resume overall would be enough to get them in. And 
And what I mean by that is, first of all, yes, they went through the 14-game losing streak. We all know that. But we also know that it started when Carly Scoopin got injured, and she was out for six weeks. And when Carly Scoopin is in the lineup, it changes everything. So not only is her bat there, but she helps protect other players because pitchers are pitching differently to the first five or six hitters when she's in the lineup. And when she's not, you have that. Also, a lot of their games, I think we looked at the 14 games, and I want to say nine were one or two run games. A timely hit here or there by somebody like Carly Scoopin changes that, right? right? And so maybe you win five of those games, and then also then it's not like a losing streak, right? When If you could win one or two somewhere in there, it doesn't get like – can you imagine being that those players in, in the midst of that, right? It keeps going and it keeps going and, and, you know, and they would fight. I mean, if you look at a lot of those games, they were fighting, they were fighting to like the very last inning, even the, the two losses they had against Cal at the end of the season, um, they lost both of those eight to six and they fought to their final out. I thought that part, the part that uh, uh, Carly was out, which to me attributed to the 14-game losing streak, they win five of those, at least five of those. You're talking about, you know, winning, what, 11 games in the conference, and it's a completely different ball game. All of a sudden, you're in seventh <laughs> or sixth place in the Pac-12, and you're in the tournament, and there's no question, right? Um, I thought those things mattered, and I also thought this. They're playing their best ball at the end of the season. Not only did they beat Cal on Sunday, but the way they beat ASU and the way they played UCLA. Number two team in the country, and they lost four to three. I mean, they were right there um, in that game. And, yes, Devin gave up two solo shots, but – but they were, I mean, it was it went one run ring, one run game again. That's a close one. Um, I feel like the way they were sort of going, Devin was pitching very well in those last three games. I just thought that all of those things together would push them into um, the NCAA's, and they were one of the last, or they were one of the first four teams out. Uh, which is crazy. So they were close. Um, yes, if they had beaten UCLA, they would have been in. If Maybe if they would have beaten Cal one more, one more time that final weekend, they probably would have been in. Um, the odd thing, too, is I listened to Kelly Gatwood um, speak afterwards about a little bit of what they focused on to make these picks. And also I read a Q&A with her. Um, she kind of talked in circles, didn't say much, but you know, a lot of the things that she was saying, if you went back and looked at Arizona and how they played first and, uh, like the teams in the top, uh, 10 and then the next 10. Okay. So they were like three and eight, three and 19, I think against the first group, 
seven and two or something like that against the second group. And if you compare that against some of the teams that made it and where they were positioned, Arizona was a better team. So I, I, and I really think it, Arizona is better than their record. It was one of those weird years, um, very strange years. um, And, you know, it's just a shame that this is the year that um, the streak ends because they were a much better team than they were last year. And yes, last year they somehow made it, went on a huge run and made the World Series. That's the, another thing that I thought might play in their favor this year, and obviously it didn't. And that's something I was kind of curious about, too, because a lot of times when teams are on the bubble, programs are on the bubble, there's this perception of favoritism. Right? Like, this is Arizona. All things being equal, you're going to put them in the tournament because it's Arizona. But I also wonder, like you mentioned, that 14-game losing streak, something like that sticks out. And there's myriad reasons for why. And if they had just won a game, like you were saying, there's no reason winning or losing maybe 12 out of 14 or whatever, but there are two you know, separate seven-game streaks as opposed to one 14-game streak. Just the narrative, the perception of Arizona is different. And I'm wondering if that kind of, you know, maybe Arizona didn't deserve to make it last year, and maybe they did deserve to make it this year, but I wonder how much the Arizona brand maybe factored in negatively this time around because, yeah, like last year they made it in and showed, like, yeah, they're still Arizona. Like, do you think that maybe that worked against them a little bit, that, that idea of, like, we're not going to play favorites, like they're a bubble team, not this year? Well, it was kind of weird because Michigan also didn't make it for the first time in a zillion years. Um, another, like, elite program. The And the other big question, there were two kind of weird things that happened. Alabama was a number five seed, which means that they, if they win the regionals, they'll host the super regionals. And if you look at Alabama, they went on a huge losing streak. They, their big pitcher, Montana Fouts, is injured. And really, they shouldn't be the five seed <laughs> at all. And somehow, they favored Alabama over, in this case, it was Stanford. They put Stanford at number nine. And if you look at all of those metrics, uh, the strength of schedule, I think Stanford was like the third third in that. Uh, better RPI, um, better wins against the first 20, the second 20, the third 20, whatever that that was. I mean, a much better team overall. And Stanford ended up nine. So the Pac-12 really got screwed <laughs> in this. And, and I don't know what's going on with the committee. And then at the – when Holly Rowe asked uh, Kelly Gatwood questions – you know, on the on the selection show, she asked her something about Alabama and about the injury, and maybe that played into it. And and Kelly was like, "We don't know anything about injuries." And I'm like, "Please, yeah, please, you watch every game. Like you don't know. It's your job I to mean, know injuries, right? That's like they talk about yeah. March Madness NCAA tournament too. Like if players are hurt, that factors into the seedings. Like you have to. Yeah, I mean, look at what happened with Arizona last year. Kate Reese was injured, and in basketball, I know it's a rule that you're really supposed to tell the selection committee whether your player can play or not. And what did you hear from Adia Barnes for the last two weeks of the season? Kate Reese is coming back. Kate Reese is coming back. Because she knew that was the decision 
on not that if they make the tournament, but whether they see they they host. Yeah. And they were a top seed. And that happened. And it was because Adia Barnes told them that Kate Reese was injured, dislocated her shoulder, but she was going to play. And they took that into consideration. So the fact that the committee for softball now doesn't take any injuries into consideration. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> I don't believe anything this woman says. And she can hear, listen to this now and people can tell her and I don't care. She's just not. <laughs> they just didn't do their job. Well, you know, PJ, you know, looking back on the season and the losing streak, you, you talked about a, a timely hit here or there and Arizona wins, a, you know, a handful of those games. But I think it's safe to say, looking back on the season, hitting was never this team's problem. No. Um, you know, and so I guess looking back on the season and maybe looking ahead into the off season and what you know, what hopefully will be a uh, you know a return to glory for Arizona next year. Um, talk about you know what happened with Arizona's pitching staff this year. If if it's looking any better for next year, and and you know, boy, just part of me wants to hear somebody talk about how much one pitcher really makes the difference between an elite program and and a a team that doesn't make the, the postseason. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, as, as I've written about plenty, that Arizona hasn't had an elite pitcher since Danielle O'Toole and Taylor McQuillan. Let's face it, right? And And that has been a lot of the reason that Arizona hasn't won a national championship in a, quite a while. It has always come down to pitching. They've always had stellar hitters throughout that whole, what was the last time they won, 2008 or something like that? Um, they've always had stellar hitters, stellar defense. Everything else works for them and works really well. This year they had the second best fielding percentage in the league, in, in the nation, second only to Oklahoma, who's the best team in the nation. Um, they have top hitters, Allie Skaggs. Last year, she had she was the Pac-12 co-champion for home runs. This year, she was a champ for RBIs. I mean, she's just following up. And then she was defensive player of the year. And plus, you have um, a bunch of freshmen who came in and just raked. I mean, you know, they have a great freshman class. So it does come down to pitching, especially for them. And Devin... Nets is a workhorse. I went back and looked at um, what they pay, played like about 49 games, I think. She had appearances in 38 of those games. You know, so she was their ace. She got the most innings. Um, I think she was 16 and 16. Um, Devin's improved over last year. She's a very good pitcher. A really good pitcher. But you need someone else with her because she's not the elite pitcher. Um, you need somebody else to share the burden, somebody else maybe who's better than her, anything like that. And what they had this year was a bunch of young pitchers. So Silva is going to be a really good pitcher. She was 17 when she came in. She was an early enrollee. Um she just needs more reps and more time working with the pitching coach, Taryn Moet McKinney. She just needs time to develop. Same thing with, um, you know, 
a few of their other young pitchers. They also have a really great pitcher coming in, Ryan Maddox, who is like lights out, incredible. Um, I think her ERA in her career is definitely under one. I think it's about 0.5 something or or less. I mean, Not bad. She, she's an incredible pitcher. So that's a great get as a freshman coming in and we'll see how she does and how she adapts. Uh, Silva adapts pretty quickly. She was able to come in and pitch a lot and that was remarkable because she was so young. But let's face it, the thing that Arizona has to do is they have to go into the portal and get a really good pitcher. And I think that would make the difference. I think if they had that, then you can let the Silvas and the Maddoxes of the world take their time and develop and not be put on the spot that they have to come in and be great from the get-go. I mean, Ryan Maddox may do that. We don't know. Silva could come back next year and be lights out. We don't know. But that's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on on freshmen, I think. So I think that if you get one or two really good pitchers in the portal who are older, they can take some of the burden off of Devin and spread that out, and, and they could win a lot more because they're not giving up those runs, right? You give up too many runs, and no matter how good your offense is, you know, how much do they have to score to win every day? You know, that's that's pretty crazy. But if you get a pitcher in, like if Devin is on, I mean, she only gave up four runs to UCLA, and two were solo shot home runs. I mean, so when you look at it like that, it's not that bad. It's just that you're going, they were going up the Pac-12 pitcher of the year. So they scored three runs against her, right? Somebody else, maybe that would have been flipped. But also, when you look at a total, one less home run. Like if you would have walked Maya Brady, maybe we wouldn't have been talking about this, right? Maybe they would have won and they would have gone further in the Pac-12 tournament and they would have made the NCAA. So definitely it comes down to pitching. It also comes down to the fact that um, I wrote about this before. Pac-12 is really hard. They don't, it's a tough conference. They don't get the recognition they should get nationally. And Arizona always has a tough uh, schedule. So they play like back, like three or four weekends, you're playing like all those teams are ranked, right, in the top 25. So you're playing the UCLA's, the Oregon's, the Washington's, the Stanford's, like boom, boom, boom. And that's really hard. And you're hoping that you can come away with maybe one win each weekend, and then you would be fine. This year they couldn't do it. Last year they had the same issue where they started out Pac-12 season, and three weeks in a row they played like the best teams in the country or three of the best teams in the country, and it's like, whoa, wait a second. And if you're, you know, having a tough time, or if people are in and out and they're injured, that was the other thing. Not only Carly was out, but Izzy Pacho took two weeks off. She took a mental health break. And Carly, and um, Sophia Carroll 
We don't know what was going on, but she would, didn't go on two of the road trips. She played at home and then she was off the team. So when you, you don't know who your nine or 10 are going to play and who's really on the team all the time, and it's always like this juggling thing, it, that can get to you too. They went through a lot this year. They had a lot of adversity last year. They had a lot of adversity this year. And that's, unfortunately, that's happened. Now, hopefully, they won't have the injuries next year. I mean, look how fluky it was. That, I mean, how many times do you see a player get hit in the forearm by a pitch and break it? Yeah. Break it and have to have surgery, right? Like, that was so bizarre. Just some bad luck there, but... I guess as we wrap up softball here, obviously Caitlin Lowe's first year turned out to be pretty surprisingly good. And second year, not as much for a lot of the reasons that you've laid out here. There are some people who think maybe, I don't think anyone's saying like calling for her head or anything like that. Like they're giving her another year. Maybe there's some people because, hey, it's Arizona softball. You have to be making the postseason every year. But do you anticipate any changes with the coaching staff or anything regarding softball with the leadership there? I don't know. I don't think so. Um for Caitlin, I think we've seen she's a really good coach. What she did with this team last year in postseason, after everything they went through, to be one of the last five teams standing in the nation, that was pretty spectacular. That's really when I personally said she's got the stuff, and she's got the stuff to coach this program. And then this year, you know, I watched a lot of her moves, when she pulled pitchers and when she, you know, made changes and everything. And I would say that, you know, she was really good at that, really good strategy. Sometimes it doesn't work out. There were a few times it just didn't work. But for the most part, she was spot on. She got it. She knew when to make the challenges for the replays, all of that kind of stuff. I think she's a really good coach, and I think people should just – Give her a little time. It's only been two years. And right last year, they made the World Series. So they'll make NCAAs next year. They'll get back on track. She's gonna have, she has this team going in the right direction. It's all about getting that pitcher, that top pitcher. And once they do that, they'll be clicking. Uh, so that all makes sense. I mean, I don't know what changes you do make really, especially with the coaching staff being so new and having the success they had last year. So it's easy to say, oh, every, you know, they missed the tournament, they missed the postseason, this is not acceptable. But, like, it's one year, and I think maybe last year bought a little bit of time, a little bit of a grace period. PJ, let's switch gears to some basketball, to Adia Barnes. She's, her roster is going to look a lot, you know, quite a bit different next season than it did last year. And maybe that's just kind of the way things go. Arizona did pick up a little bit in recruiting this week, some transfer portal news. It seems like... Maybe the hand-wringing about what was going on with the women's basketball team, you know, maybe a month, two months ago, maybe it was a bit misguided, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's kind of funny because the men go through this every year, right? With the, oh, are they going to go to the NBA? Or are they going to come back? Or are they going to, what are they going to do? And if you look at, you know, Tommy Lloyd, he pieces his teams together between sort of like now and July or something, we're, right? We're looking at women's basketball here, Adia's team. I know. Oh, but okay. I'm saying yeah. the men's are sort of the same way. And fans were like, oh, my God, 
you know, he misses out on a transfer, Tommy Lloyd, and they were like, you know, the world was going to end or something like that. It's it's turned the same way for women. Not that they're going to turn pro, but with all the NIL. And I the see what you're doing world, there. Okay, I'm pick, I'm I'm catching up there. We're good. That's it. Yeah. So, um, and so it's sort of that's the thing. And also with the NIL, you know, Arizona doesn't have the kind of deep pockets that other schools have. LSU. Right? <laughs> them, let's talk about Miami, some of those uh, SEC school, other SEC schools, um, some schools that may become Big Ten schools <laughs> in a little while here. <laughs> all too. of those schools have have donors with deep pockets. What can I say? And so it's a tough environment, and it just keeps getting tougher. Um, one thing that I've seen Adia Barnes do now, which I really like. Now, I haven't talked to her yet. We're going to talk soon. I'm going to have a big Q&A with her. Nice. So every, everybody look for that. Um, but from what I've seen and who she's picked, it's like she's going back. She's pivoting, right? It's sort of like she's going back to how she started out. She's finding the kids who are blue collar, who have that really big, good work ethic, who are hungry for whatever reason, and she's bringing them in. And and they will mix with those top recruits that she's got, you know, the Mayanagis, the the freshman class that most of the freshman class who are coming in are top, top recruits. So it'll be a mixture and, and they're all, they all have good work ethics. So it'll be a mixture of that. Um, and I think that changes things up. I think it turns it from, it turns it back to team oriented instead of me. I, I think what we've witnessed over the last couple of years is that with with some of these changes and with the position that Arizona was in that some players were more focused on themselves and getting their shots and their scores and whatever else than on the team and what's best for the team and and that all of those things mixed together sort of put them in the spot that they're that they were in um, and so I think this pivot that Adia's done by taking a look, like a high-level look at where I am, what's going on, where my program is, how we got here, really. Um, you know, he brought in players like Ari McDonald originally. wasn't Ari McDonald when she got here, right? Um, Dominique McBride, T.T. Starks, when you look at all those players, and even Trinity Baptiste, they were hungry, right? They were really gritty. They were going to work. They had a really good work ethic. They were about doing what was best for the team. Yeah, Ari scored a lot of points, but it's because she had to, right? And because she could, and it worked into the system. It wasn't like Ari was selfish she was never selfish she tried to get her she got all her teammates involved in some way um and i believe that this team that's that adia has put together next 
for next season is going to be more in that vein. You have a Jada Williams, a freshman coming in, point guard. She is the first true point guard that Adia has had since Lucia Alonzo. And um, she's, she, I've watched her play. She doesn't care who you are. If she anticipates that you're going to be open or you're open, she's getting you the ball. It's not like she's just passing to Brea, who's her best friend. It's everybody's going to touch it. She can shoot as well. And I think that all, it's all going to sort of start a little bit with Jada. You have returnees like Helena Poyo, who is the most selfless person you will ever meet. And, you know, the leadership of her being a fifth year senior, along with some of these other kids that are coming in, only makes this team possible, right? Like, like she has all the right pieces. Now her latest is she has another freshman coming in, Skylar Jones from Chicago's um, Whitney Young High School. And she, she can shoot. She averaged like four steals a game. She can do a little bit of everything. She's a wing. Um, interestingly enough, she's a four-star she was rated number 96 out of 100. And I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a wing who played at Arizona who was rated number 92, and her name is Sam Thomas. <laughs> so a kid like that can come in, really work hard, get the development from Adia and Salo, and grow into one of the top players in the nation like Sam did. Um, not to put pressure on I was going to say Skyler. no pressure, right? Skylar, Skylar, and she's going to come in and do her thing, and she's going to be great. Um, but it's just, you know, those, the, I think it's going to be a good mix of different types of kids, and they all are hungry for whatever reason. I mean, Jada's hungry, and Brea's hungry, and, um, and Maya, and they all want to do great things here, right? Plus, you have these kids who are coming in who were sort of, I think, overlooked. You know, you have... Um, uh, Courtney from Middle Tennessee, who's coming in, and she's really fast, but she played at Middle Tennessee, right? You have someone else who's coming in from a junior college. You have another player, uh, Isis from West Virginia. Um, a lot of these kids weren't on radars, but Adia Barnes is someone who, from the beginning when she was an assistant coach, she can identify talent. She's one of the first people who recruited Ari McDonald the first time when she was in eighth grade. She was the first one out there. She knows talent. And so I think her getting back to what made Arizona great to begin with, I think it's going to make Arizona great again. Well, PJ, you know, you make the, you make the comparison to the men's team where there's roster turnover and all that, but I, maybe, maybe I've just got my, my red and blue colored glasses on, but you know, with all the turnover, there's still, you know, Maya Naji didn't play that much last year and she was a top recruit. Poyo's coming back, They're, you know, and they have the uh, top, you know, what, I don't know where it is now with uh, Skylar Jones, but it's the top five, I think, class coming in plus the transfers. You know, there was a, it seems to me that last year's roster almost had an overflow of talent and then some folks moved on and some people graduated, right? But am I, am I crazy to say that the overall, 
you know, you're you're talking blue collar and all these people that have a hunger, but like I'm not convinced that this roster is more doesn't have more raw talent than they've had overall, top to bottom. Am I crazy? No, you're not. In fact, I think even if you look at the mix of who Adia's brought in, um, it it's it's depth, but depth in a different way. It's not just numbers like she had before, right? She's got like Last year, the whole thing is she thought 12 players on a roster, that's a sweet spot. And then Lauren Ware has a season-ending injury, and she's out, and all of a sudden she has really two real forwards, uh, three, I'm sorry, three real forwards, and, and sometimes she has to play small, right? Or she has to move Helena over, or sometimes it was Maddie playing against kids who are 6'6". Six, six. I mean, that's kind of crazy. This year, she's got, you know, five or six forwards, more at each position, who I think can grow into their roles. And and I think that if, God forbid, somebody does get injured and they're out for a while, that you might not see the drop, right? That, that she doesn't all of a sudden have to say, oh, well, now I have to take somebody who's a guard and make them a forward, right? Like, she doesn't have to do that kind of stuff because I think she has enough players and enough players who are versatile. I think Skylar, she's a wing, so she can play different positions. Uh, Montea Du's coming in, and she's also considered a wing, and, and she can play the guard position. You know, you have uh, Helena Poyo who can play everywhere. So you have... A lot of these players who are versatile, but they're not going to be overpowered in that versatility, right? And so I think that the the raw talent, like you said, is probably more this year than she's had for a while. And, and again, I think it's the way it's distributed. It just seems um, like a better mix or a deeper mix. There's something there that um, that I think adds to it, um, and a lot of different people being bringing in a lot of different skill sets that maybe they haven't seen for a while or seen. You know, I I really think that um, all of that will help as well. So I think it's sort of the combination of that plus the team factor and the mentality. Um, that will carry them through and, and put them, um, you know, not that they weren't on track. It's just that after two years, after making the national championship game, and then two years that you lose in the second round, people think, like, what's going on? And then you turn over a lot of players, which is normal in this day and age. Um, but people start wondering, like, oh, that's interesting. Like, where... As a program, where are you? Um, I think Adia Barnes is right where she wants to be right now. I think she's got a um, a program and a squad that can take them far. Um, you know, she has certain goals. She wants to win a national championship. And there are certain players on that team right now that I think are your core and that I think could in a couple of years, you know, the Mayas and the Monteas and the Breas and the Jadas and the Kalins, I think those are the 
foundation of a of a possible national championship team or or a team that starts to get to the final four right year after year after year i think that they're they're almost there right i think that they have the pieces that could get them there you know what you're kind of listening to you say that they have all this talent. They've had a lot of talent before finding the right mix to kind of circle back to how we started basketball. It kind of reminds me when Sean Miller first started at Arizona. He makes that Elite Eight run in year two, and all of a sudden it's like recruiting-wise, the type of talent and player you can go get is so much better than you had before. And Maybe just grabbing all the stars, as many good players as you can, without maybe considering, well, how do they fit into the roster I'm trying to build and the culture I'm trying to build? And then after a couple of years of you know, maybe not getting the right players, like they're good players, but they're not the right fit for Arizona or for the team you're building, it's kind of like, okay, take a step back and now reassess. I like, can still get really good players, but be more selective. Is that kind of what's been happening here, do you think? I think so. And I think the other thing is that we forget, and I think I've, talked about this before with you guys that Adia Barnes and the combination of Adia Barnes and Salva Kova are two of the best development coaches in the nation. So when they get kids who aren't, who are maybe overlooked, right? They have a lot of the raw talent, but they just haven't been, people don't see them. They haven't been given a chance. They can take those kids and they can develop them, and they can be really, really good players. Again, I mean, I know Ari was different, but Ari wasn't Ari when she got here. When she left, she was Ari McDonald, right? That was her. It's an equation, right? It's it's the player, the player who wants to work, plus the great coaches who know how to develop players because they know what it takes to be great in college and to be a good pro. And they know that. And the combination of the two things equals, you know, you see kids who take jumps and big jumps in their abilities and, and what and their performances. And I really think that also getting back to that and finding kids who really want to work and be developed and understand what, what that gives them is something special. I was in a practice once where Dia Barnes went a couple years ago. She went player by player. She told them what they were doing right, what they were doing wrong, and what it takes to be great. And for almost every one of them, except I want to say Sam Thomas, she said at that time, she said, I can tell that you're not working by yourself because coaches there are rules around how much time coaches can spend with the kids each week and to be and she said this right out to be a great player in college you have to work on your own because there's not enough hours that we have to work with you every week to get you there so it's so you have to do that and if you don't you're saying you want to be an average player and if you don't you won't make pros and you all want to make the pros and so the idea is you have to do what we do with you plus what you do on your own. And that will, if you have the talent, that could get you where you want to go. And even just in college, if you don't want to play pros, then it could get you to being one of the top players in the country or, <coughs> excuse me, bringing your team up 
And it was very interesting how she went through that. No, it's, that's just the evolution of a coach in a program too, you know, like that mm -hmm. really quick surprising run to the championship game. And then that becomes an expectation, which isn't fair necessarily, but you do want to slowly build up to that standard. And it's not like Arizona basketball has been bad the last couple of years either. They've been a pretty good team, but it's trying to find the right mix of players to get back to that level. PJ, we've kept you long enough, I think, here. You're giving us a lot of great information. I know you're covering a lot of things. Before we let you go, like what should people be looking forward to You know, reading from you, finding your byline? So, <clears throat> excuse me. We have women's golf coming up there in the NCAA championships this week. Uh, in Scottsdale. And so I've got a story on that. If they make it to the quarterfinals, I'll be going up to Scottsdale to cover that. And um, I have a feature for track and field coming up because their uh, NCAAs for them is coming up as well. Great. So that's, plus, oh, there's more. Plus we have, we'll probably have some women's basketball, sorry. Um, <laughs> and probably something else. I don't know. We'll see. There's always There's something, though, right? There's no off-season when it comes to Arizona athletics, and we look forward to reading your stuff. That's PJ Brown, the Arizona Daily Star. You can find her content on Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster app. You can find her on Twitter at PJBrown09. PJ, we love having you. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks a lot. All right, and we come back, we'll wrap up with, again, Arizona athletics never stops. We're back, and thanks again to P.J. Brown for that excellent insight into Arizona softball, Arizona women's basketball, because, you know, one disappointing season both were had disappointing seasons the trajectories of each of them are probably still pointing upwards even if it doesn't feel like that just based on the fact that things weren't really they didn't the seasons didn't go the way planned but it wasn't necessarily as bad for reasons that you would worry about like injuries you know some maybe rough mixes here that are being corrected like it seems like both programs are still on pretty solid footing which is i think all you ask for if you're an arizona fan yeah i, th I think that's right and you know it's the, it's going to be a, I think for both programs next year is going to be a very telling season uh, for what the long-term trajectory is. Right. Um, and I think that, I think we're optimistic on, in, on both, but there's also a scenario where if it's a, if it's bad, then, you know, the narrative shifts pretty quickly. For sure. For sure. So Brett, moving on from that, though, we'll talk about a couple of things we mentioned earlier. Arizona won the territorial cup series over ASU. Cool. I feel like that should happen every year, Adam. Well, it should. <laughs> it is a third time in the last four seasons. Of course, it's just like pretty much it's most of the sports where they go head to head, just how they're doing, who finishes better. And Arizona did. I mean, it should have. You know, they shouldn't have lost in basketball at all, and that that still hurts. But Arizona got points from football, volleyball, women's basketball, softball, men's and women's cross country, women's indoor track, women's golf, men's tennis, and both outdoor track squads. They split points in volleyball and men's basketball. <sighs> <laughs> stop talking about that game adam that the, shot yeah it's not the game it's the shot the one shot <laughs> but that's it's a fun little thing they've been doing for i want to say like 10 years or so or like it's been about a decade where they introduced this it's not just a, obviously the territorial cup trophy is for the football game which arizona also has that but then the series is invented and arizona won that as well so nothing nothing wrong with winning everything they can against asu um, other news in men's basketball Thanksgiving matchup with Michigan State is going to be in Palm Springs. That's neat. Like when you're you know, chowing down on some turkey, watching some football, be like, yeah, I'm going to take a break and watch Arizona play Michigan State. I, you know, 
what better way to avoid political talk with your family at Thanksgiving than to watch Arizona play Michigan State? Yeah, that should be harmless, right? That should be that should be inoffensive to everyone, I would think. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, in baseball, their season is not done. They're trying to get into the Pac-12 tournament. There, um, kind of similar to softball, not going the way that people were hoping it would. You know, after a pretty decent first season with the new coach, but we'll see where baseball ends up because there's a lot of pressure there too. Um, well, but but like softball, they've been playing some of their best ball in the last you know week or two. Just will is, it be enough? Good, like, did you dig yourself yeah. too much of a hole? It's happened before. It's tough, you know, because it's a whole season that they take a look at. And obviously, if softball had that 14 game losing streak. Baseball, same issue pitching. <laughs> if, if when they have just decent pitching, Arizona baseball is really tough to beat. But that hasn't happened nearly often enough. Yeah, um, Arizona track and field. Did pretty well at the Pac-12 championships, so we'll take that, of course. Um, anything else, Brett? No, I think that's it. And I did look, and there are no reviews for us to read, which is unfortunate because we haven't had one in a while. Brett's thirsty for reviews, everyone. Because, you know, leave it on iTunes when you subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. But on iTunes, leave us that review and a rating, and we will read the review on the air. But otherwise, yeah, we, we could wrap up. Oh, yeah, we could wrap up here. There's really nothing new to talk about. Um. Yeah, good show. Good show. Clunky ending. Oh, that's that's just us. But no, we appreciate you all listening. We also appreciate PJ Brown from the Arizona Daily Star for joining us. One of our favorite guests to have, and of course we Arizona athletics. It seems like there's always something. Hopefully, it's more good news. It's gonna be more recruiting news, of course, with men's basketball, especially um, the transfer portals. I believe are closed for most things now, except for and we'll see. Like you can't enter the portal. But there's a lot of players who are going to enter the NBA draft who might withdraw from the draft, and Arizona, of course, should be interested in a lot of them as they fill out their roster. And then football, whatever happens there, you know, we'll get into that too. But otherwise, we appreciate you all listening, and we'll talk about Arizona athletics again in our next show. And until then, we're going to bear down. Bear down.